Let's pray together. Father, we have um, promised you in song that we will put our faith in the firm foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is our, our promise to you this morning. We need you to help us. We need, to help, we need you to help us with confidence when the ominous clouds of trouble are drawing in not any longer on the horizon but have encompassed our lives. We, we need your help. And so our Father, I pray and thank you that we can come here together and encourage each other and celebrate your goodness to us. Thank the Lord for our salvation in Jesus Christ. Thank you that you have granted to us your unfailing love. And we know, O oh Lord, that you are our rock and our refuge and that you, O oh Lord, have your eye on us all the time. We praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you to my beloved Calvary Baptist Church for the greatest honor and privilege possible to be trusted with your hearts as shepherd under the great shepherd these 22 years. It's true that in the 20s, Christianity began to decline in Canada. We're now 100 years on. These are serious and important days. Thank you for staying with the faith. Thank you for your love and your grace for our family, helping Lynn and I to raise our three kids and the rich impact you've had on their lives, the stewardship, stewarding them to give themselves to vocational ministry. It's been a rich joy to my life. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't wanna say too much this morning. I wanna talk to you about God, not me. Um, I'll have more to say tonight, a little more anyway. I hope you know though, here's what I want you to know, I hope you know that I wouldn't be stepping away from my post if I didn't think it was the best thing for you. I, I want you to know that. I'm not choosing to take it easy, <laughs> it's not what this is about. This is about what's best for you. So, you know, I've been, I've been asked by a number of people, what, 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 was, what does a guy preach for his last sermon as lead pastor? What would you, what would you pick? And um, 
Actually, it wasn't very hard because I, I had thought about this for a while. I've had some time to think about this. And to me, it just seemed to be the right thing to preach to you the very first sermon that I preached here. Because it's still true. It's still the burden and passion of my heart. And I chose not to look at my old sermon. I'm hoping that it's better after 22 years. <laughs> But you know it as the total praise, total trust sermon. Those of you who were here way back then. And um, it's Psalm 33. Would you please turn there in your Bibles, Psalm 33, as it's such a great setup for the Lord's table as well and for the, the whole reality of this day. And I think it's, it was a perfect setup at the beginning and I think it's a per perfect setup now as we conclude. Um, I just thought it would be fitting to do that. It really set the theological pace for the ministry here that God led my heart to bring, setting our vision and our mission for all these years. It's always been sort of the guiding phrase for me in all the decision-making and all the choices and all the relationships and all what we did here, it was, are we totally trusting God and are we totally praising him and um, because that's what he's called us to do I, I believe these are the practices that God uses to totally energize our lives and they energize each other as well they work back and forth if you totally trust him you will totally praise him if you totally praise him you will totally trust him it, it's it works <laughs> I can testify to it 22 years here, and, and so um, this really is a reminder for us all to be, to be the kind of people, what kind of people should we be? What kind of people has the Lord called us to be? As we continue to hold out the truth, hold out our faith in Jesus Christ, hold out Christ as preeminent in a Canada that has been slipping away from trust in God for 100 years. What does it mean? So there's four stanzas in this great psalm. It's, it's not stated as to who wrote it, but it really seems obvious to most interpreters that it's probably David. I've tried to be on the David theme for the last five sermons here, and I think it is when you see Psalm 32 and you look at verse 11 and he says, rejoice in the Lord and be glad you righteous sing all you who are upright in heart. It just seems to be the same idea in Psalm 33, it just sounds like David. It's the, it's the word of God, more importantly. So there's four great stanzas here of a psalm written in the total praise and total trust key of life. For deep joy, no matter what life deals you. So um, let's read the psalm. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with a harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. <laughs> for the word of the Lord is right and true he is faithful in all he does. 
The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his great army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse's vain deliverance or hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Ow. This is the word of God. Know this, God's people, that you, we, are the worship leaders to the nations. That's who we are. So give it all you got. That's what the psalmist is saying here. You are the worship leaders of all the nations, to all the nations. So give it all you got. Bad grammar for the last day, but that's okay. Rejoice, David has said in the psalm before. Well, how do you do that? Sing heartily. The Lord is the audience. The Lord is the audience this morning as we gather here today. He is here among us. He is listening to us. He delights in us. He loves to hear us sing. There are multiple ways to worship the Lord. We all know that. Multiple ways to worship the Lord. But the psalmist makes much of music. And so should we. That's what today is all about music and God's word and praising him, trusting him and singing to him heartily, sing to be heard. Christians are a singing people quite simply because words alone cannot express the deep love and passion we have for our Lord. Words just aren't enough. We, we have to sing. And, and we're to sing to be heard. We're to sing so that if people happen to walk up the sidewalk while we're here in this building on a Sunday morning, that they can hear us singing to our God. I loved our time last year when we had to go out in the parking lot and 
The praise band was singing to our neighbors. Now, too bad we were muted in our cars. I mean, the evil one did everything he had to try to suppress the worship of God, but, but God's worship can't be suppressed. And so there we were singing to our neighbors, singing to be heard, sing exuberantly. The Lord doesn't require of us to sing on tune. The musicians need to be skillful. It says here in the text, the instruments need to be skillful, but our voices don't need to be all that skillful. We're just to let it rip and to sing with all that we have. You can't join the choir if you don't have a great voice, but you can sing out there. (laughs) In this great choir, sing with all you have and with fervor and with freshness. That's what the the text says here. New mercies deserve new praise. And doesn't the word of God teach us that there is a new mercy every day for us? Great is his faithfulness. We have something to sing every day to our great God. Music without words, well, it's just music. My uncle was a violinist and um, violins can't make words. Trevor Dick tries, but they can't make words. My uncle would never play his violin without reading the lyrics of the hymn that he was playing. Never. Because the words are so important. But the music is important. I'm so grateful that the choir came back early. You, you know I'm your greatest fan. And I'm so happy that you came to join us in this day and, and to shout out a shout of praise. And, and it, for my kids who are so engaged in music, for Jordan and Bronwyn and, and Graydon, who thinks he's engaged in, pray, in music, <laughs> give him a Gloria Gaynor tape in uh, karaoke and that guy's going to belt out, I will survive. The rest of us, the rest of us don't, but he insists upon it. But it, music is so important, and perhaps there's no other form of worship that attracts so much trouble, and maybe that's why, because it is so important to the heart of God. Do you realize that for 1,300 years after Christ, there was no music allowed in the church? No wonder there were the dark ages. For some reason, and these were giants of the faith, Chrysostom and others, who had this idea that that music was connected to the Jewish culture of which Christianity left. And it was a part of the Jewish worship system, the ceremonial law, which you were supposed to leave for 1,300 years. I don't know why none of them read Ephesians 5 talks there about music for certain. But there it was. And then finally some bold believers just stopped it. This is ridiculous. David is calling us through the scriptures. The Lord is commanding us to sing, to rejoice, to to lift up our voices and praise him. And then there's the far extreme that happens today and you don't want to go there where the worship leaders are so professional that nobody wants to join in. They just want to listen to them. 
God forbid that our worship leaders would become so professional that the Calvary wouldn't join singing. We just want to look at them as entertainment. That's not what this is all about. God wants in the sweet spot his whole congregation to sing together, to participate together, to lift up voices of praise in varied moods, of course, of music. Sometimes we sing with great joy in our hearts and sometimes we sing with heavy burdens, but we sing. We sing. Why? Because it is fitting for the upright to praise the Lord. That's what the text says. It's fitting. It's right for the upright to praise the Lord because his work from his word fills the earth with his loving kindness, verse 5. In a world of deceit, injustice, wickedness, we can sing because our God's word that is at work in this world is based upon truth and faithfulness and justice. God never speaks empty words that go out in vain, ever. God's word always matches his works. What God says, he does. Well, the second stanza, verses 6 to 12, urges us to live confidently. The Lord is in total control. What, what God says is how things are and will be. Verse 6 is really stunning. It's there in that verse, and it is encapsulated the Trinity of the Godhead. The Septuagint translated it that way. The early interpreters understood it this way. And I believe John understood it this way, the, the, the gospel writer. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. The word that was at the beginning that was with God and was God. Christ. By the Christ. Yahweh were the heavens made, their starry host by the nefesh or spirit translated in Septuagint, the spirit of God that hovered over the deep. This is a stunning piece of theology in this particular verse. The Lord, by the way, has not only made everything but according to this text, continues to manage how it remains operational. Our God is not only the chief executive officer of the universe, but he's the chief operating officer of the universe as well. He, he manages what he has made. The, the Lord's control over everything is absolute. This is why we live confidently. There are no rogue causes that exist in our land that introduce surprise mischief to the Lord. He is never surprised. He is in absolute control of all things. So, so here the question goes out is, is God able to attend to your crisis? 
I, I ask you this rhetorical question. Is God able to attend to your crisis, the God who called the universe into existence, who continues to oversee the operations of all that he has made? Can he help you out? Consider his management, the psalmist says, of water. <laughs> it's interesting that he chooses that because even when you're trying to be careful with water, you know, you have a, a glass of water, maybe three quarters full and you're jockeying it up the stairs and it's sloshing around and flying on your clothes on your way out. Have you ever given any consideration to the fact that the great oceans of the world, as you're sitting in the sand and on a calm day, a nice day, the water is just sort of lapping gently up onto the sand. Have you given any thought to the fact that the earth is spinning at 1,670 kilometers an hour? Hey, um, put some water on something and spin it and see where the water goes. Yet, the oceans of this great earth remain fixed, the boundaries that God has set for them. Now, not only are we spinning at 1,670 kilometers, but we're moving around the sun at another 108,000 kilometers an hour. People are getting dizzy in here. It's like, did you know we were on the move? <laughs> it says in the text that he contains it in jars or it's in a heap because he controls it. But not only that, he puts it in deep storehouses. Do any of us know that there was a recent discovery as early as last year, or as recent as last year, 2022? Smithsonian research, where there's more water contained between the upper and lower mantle of the earth than all the waters that are on the surface of the earth more water and it's was found it's been discovered in a fourth form it's not liquid it's not solid it's not gas it's some spongy deposit that they've named ringwoodite well God knew that because he put it there that's what it says. He puts the deep into storehouses. I ask you again, um, is God able to attend to your crisis? It's a big deal to you, but is God able to look after you? He brings the plots of nations to nothing. The picture here is, it's like the early morning mist that the sun burns off. You know the great causes of the, the nations and the, the, the big leaders who take themselves so seriously and think their plans will last for a thousand years? 
It's like the mist of the morning that the sun burns away if God chooses. His plans and purposes stand forever. Surely God is a being of, of awful majesty and infinite glory. To have his favor is bliss. But to face the wrath of God is dreadful. He says to us, cast your cares on me. And go ahead, live without cares. That's what God wants for us. Live without cares. Give them to me. Verse 12 jumped out at me. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. Wait a minute, I chose God. No, he chose you. No, he chose you. No, Calvary, he chose us. Why would we sing with great gratitude and, 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 and joy in our hearts and thanksgiving? He chose us to be his people. God's sovereign interest in humanity at all is only so he can bless his own people. The people he chose. So live securely. Live securely because third verse, the, the stanza 13 to 19, the Lord is your first responder. Who do you fear these days? Who do you fear these days? What do you fear these days? What are you afraid of? Beloved, what are you afraid of? What, what, what is causing you to, to lose sleep? The Lord is particularly looking out for you. He then talks about the great powers, the great physical powers of this world. Kings and armies and strong men and horses. Creature power never determines outcomes. Never. Not kings, not great armies, not great strong people. Horses couldn't outrun the water that fell on them in the Red Sea. God's operation is based on perfect knowledge, perfect control, and perfect love. How's that for a perfect combo for your security? Perfect knowledge, no speculation about you or about your life or about anything that's going on. He doesn't listen to gossip about you. He knows the reality. Perfect knowledge, perfect control, and perfect love. Unfailing love. That's how God operates. God watches over you. Since the one who controls all things also sees all things always, he is our pre-emergency responder. Running interference and restraining evil that could be and assuring us of natural life as long as it is his best for us to have it. He provides, he protects, he preserves. Just realize 
that our God who loves you with unfailing love, who watches out for you, is running interference for you every day. He's restraining the attempts of evil to take you out. We have no idea, no idea how our great shepherd watches over us. He provides, he protects, he preserves, and yes, even from death. You say, well, does he? Yeah. Sometimes miraculously, sometimes ordinarily, and sometimes eternally. Plummer, in his commentary, put me onto this phrase that God assures us of natural life as long as it is best for us to have it. And then he takes us to be with himself. There's clearly time to make something happen when we have a sure word of instruction from God in this area of security. But trust in the fog of life is a whole different level of Christian dependence and obedience. The call to trust in God's heart when he is allowing yours to be broken takes all the faith we can muster through his strength and he promises to give it to us. The psalmist here as we conclude final stanza appeals to every sensitivity we have. If God is all this, if God is all this that you have seen with your own eyes and you have experienced in your life, if God is all this, the psalmist, I think, insists that it is absurd not to trust him implicitly. But that requires much of our time waiting, waiting on the Lord. You see what it says at the very end here? We wait. We wait in hope. Waiting is the premier evidence of trust, beloved. Waiting on the Lord is the premier evidence of your trust in the Lord. Because we want to try and make things happen. Why do we wait faithfully? Because the great I am help is on the way. We wait in hope for the Lord. Why? Because He is our help and shield. Does Father know best? Learning to trust Him includes waiting for God to do what you might not prefer. Does Father know best? He might choose something for you that you would never choose for yourself. He will choose. He will choose things 
that you don't prefer. Waiting is faith exercised by those who both fear our completely dominant God and hope in his unfailing love. I know he's in total control. I know that nobody can do anything that he doesn't first permit. I know that his love is unfailing. So I'm waiting. I'm waiting on a God who's in total control and is totally in love with me. Great faith brings great mercies. Great hope shall issue in great deliverance, Plummer says. Great joy grows out of total praise that springs from total trust. I would say trust me on this, but trust God's word on this. I can testify by experience, but God's word is the final say. Let me just remind you as we wrap this part of it up. Your trust will be crushed if you place your hope on preferred outcomes. You hearing me? Your trust will be crushed if you place your hope on preferred outcomes. That's not what we're called to do. Because our preferred outcomes are tainted by our desires, by idols, by identities of this world. Even the gifts God has given to us are not worthy of our trust. Our trust must be in the Lord. If your hope is in the Lord, the giver, your trust will never fail to lead you to praise because he will never, ever disappoint you. Two thousand years ago, on a stark, bald, outcropping rock called the Skull, Golgotha, on a hill known as Calvary, all eyes were fixated on the butchery of Calvary. Hours before, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, knelt in a garden and called out to his Father, if there could be another way that this cup might pass from me. As the hours of hopeless horror ran roughshod over the bewildered bystanders over their crushed hearts as they watched in abject horror as the life poured out of the body of Christ the father remained silent tell me was there an eyewitness there that day at Calvary who truly believed that the Father knew best? I don't think so.
I don't think so. Tell me, beloved, this morning, 2,000 years on the other side of Calvary and Calvary's cross, do you think the Father knew best? So that's why we can exclaim this morning with all the vigor we can muster, praise God for the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ that purchased our salvation through the sacrifice of Jesus. So trust totally not only in how God exists and his works, but on him, his praise will continually be on your lips. Our Father and our God, we lift up our praise, total praise and total trust because you are truly truly worthy of the best that we have. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Calvary Baptist Church, I love you so, so much. So I count on us continuing to totally praise and totally trust in the Lord. He is our strength and our salvation. Our Father, I thank you for this family, for our love together, for Christ our Savior. You, O oh Lord, are our everything. We lift up our praise to you. You are to be honored and glorified in all things. And so, Lord, you are truly, truly worthy of our total praise and our total trust. And may we get very, very good at praising you because we will do it forever. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.